So we're all out there and a whole bunch of us. And I, there's a golf ball just sitting there. I picked it up and I, I was probably going to throw it in the lake or something like that. Ten year old kid. Right. What was I going to do with it? And this golfer rides by on a cart and he yells, he goes, hey, kid, what's that golf ball say on it? I turned around and said, title is Pro V1. And he goes, I'll give you three dollars for it. <laughs> and Kevin, I don't I'm not exaggerating. In that moment, this light bulb went off, which I think was the first light bulb moment of my life where I was like, wait a minute. For the first time in my life, I share that story. I realized, man, business made sense to me. What's up, my friend, and welcome to Grit, Grace, and Inspiration. I am your host, Kevin Lowe. 20 years ago, I awoke from a life-saving surgery only to find that I was left completely blind. And since that day, I've learned a lot about life, a lot about living, and a lot about myself. And here on this podcast, I want to share those insights with you. Because friend, if you are still searching for your purpose, still trying to understand why, or still left searching for that next right path to take, well, consider this to be your stepping stone to get you from where you are to where you want to be. Do you know the fastest way to make money? It's to find a way to solve a problem. Do you know the fastest way to find fulfillment? Well, it's to find a way to gather people together, to connect people with one another. Now, imagine you can figure out how to do both of those at the same time. That's exactly what today's guest Alex Sanfilippo figured out. What's happening, my friend? I am your host as well as transformation coach, Kevin Lowe, and you are joining me for what is episode number 208. First and foremost, I am stoked to have you here with me inside of today's episode in which we are in the midst of this mini series on giving back to podcasting, because if you are new here, well, I decided after launching into the 200s that it was time for me to showcase the stories of some of my favorite people in the podcast industry. And well, we're dead set in the middle of this thing. And today I'm in the studio with a guy named Alex Sanfilippo. Alex was a kid who had entrepreneur running through his veins and he didn't even know it. Because when most kids would find a lone golf ball, they'd think, woohoo, I just found my next toy to play with. Alex Sanfilippo, he just found a dollar sign. Because when a golfer came rolling up and asked him, hey, can I buy that golf ball from you? He realized he just found a cash machine. Now, that was just the start of Alex Sanfilippo's journey. And we're going to get to explore it from then to now. But the theme with Alex Sanfilippo is the theme of innovation, the theme of family, of connection. And lo and behold, this guy, Alex Sanfilippo, would find himself on the cutting edge of technology in the podcasting space. It's been a journey to get here, but once he got here, he realized he found his place. Because the podcast industry, Although you may think it's large, it's actually not. That's what's drawn me into podcasting so much is that this space is so much like a family, everybody helping one another. Alex, he figured out how to do that by helping to solve a problem, connecting people with one another. And so you might be familiar with some 
online dating websites where you go on trying to find your best match. Well, Alex took that same concept and used it for podcasting. A matchmaking website to connect podcast guests with podcast hosts. Brilliant. Matter of fact, if you've been listening to this podcast for any length of time, the majority of the guests that I have on this show, I connect with through Podmatch. Thank you, Alex. So we're going to dive into a little bit of Podmatch. We're going to dive into some podcasting, but more so, we're just diving into the story that makes up Alex Sanfilippo, an amazing guy with a huge heart who just realized that if you want to get ahead in life, you got to give, you got to do stuff for others. And in return, you'll find success. And well, I believe that's kind of a theme for Alex Sanfilippo. It is my pleasure. It is my honor to have this amazing guy on the podcast today. And it's my pleasure to introduce him to you. My only ask is if you enjoy today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend. That's the way that we grow. That's the way that more people find out about grit, grace, and inspiration is by you telling them. So if you like it, if you love it, and you think somebody needs a little bit more of it, well, please share today's episode with them. And that would be amazing. All right, enough of me. Let's dive into today's episode. Here is my interview with Alex Sanfilippo. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Kevin, it's an honor to be here, man. You do such a good job of the show. I've been listening to it all day while I was, was, was in the gym listening to it. And I'm just so excited to be here with you, man. Oh, man. Well, I appreciate it so much, man. It truly means the world to me. And so, Alex, I want to dive into your story and I, and I want to start off with a question and you're welcome to take a little bit of time if you need to think about it or knowing you, you probably already know the answer before I ask the question. But uh, what I would love to do is is looking at where you are right now in life. When you kind of look back on this journey, tell me a story about the single moment that happened that has led to where you are today. And that moment that when it happened, you probably didn't think anything of it. But when you look back now, you can tell, whoa, that's where it all began. This question right here. Have you heard the concept of the butterfly effect? Have you heard that? I have. I couldn't tell you what it is, but I've heard it. (laughs) So the idea of the butterfly effect was actually something that was at first a, a theory that was made the guy who came up with it. He was laughed out the door. And this was like a long time ago by a group of scientists later on, it was proven to not only be correct, but 100% accurate every single time. And his theory was that when a butterfly flaps its wings on one side of the earth, those air molecules move and cause others to move and cause others to move and cause others to move, which eventually create things like hurricanes and massive storms or beautiful weather, right? Like it creates all that. And people, again, laugh this person out the door. But again, it was later proven to be true. And that whole concept is the butterfly effect. Something so small can cause massive change. And so like, even when you're asking the question, I'm thinking, I'm like, Ooh, that here was the thing. Oh, wait, no, there was something else that led up to that. Oh, wait, there was something else that led up to that. Oh, wait, there was something else. Right. I could just consistently go through that. So Kevin, to to pinpoint the very first thing, I, I I can't tell you what it would have been exactly. I can tell you what caused me to get on the path that I'm on today. We don't got to go with the first thing. 
the most monumental thing, something you, you, you go with where you go with it. And I love it. And I'm here for the ride. <laughs> oh, thanks, I appreciate it. Yeah. Again, like I could go all the way back to thanking my mom for helping me understand how to like read and write, you know, like things like that. But the, the, the real thing, and by the way, thanks mom, if you're listening to this, but the, the, the real thing, I went to this, this conference, it was a podcasting conference in Orlando, Florida at the beginning of 2020. So literally right before the whole world shut down at that point. And I walked in with an agenda, Kevin, and I'm not usually an agenda type. I walked in with an agenda. There's about 2000 people at this conference. My agenda was this, when I got off of stage, however many of those people would line up to talk to me, and I'm not trying to sound like prideful, or like I was a great speaker, people were just nice. They're just going to say thank you, right? So I knew somebody would give me the time of day. If there's 2000 people in that room, somebody was going to say thanks. And I had the agenda to ask them one specific question. What is it that you as a podcaster are struggling with most right now? What is the one thing that you as a podcaster are struggling with right now the most? And I kept a pen and paper with me. And what I did is I just documented what people said. And I heard a lot of things. I, I talked to over 100, I don't know how many people, but over 100 people. Uh, but 100 of them exactly said the same thing. Alex, I'm having trouble finding the ideal guest for my podcast. And that was the moment that I realized I was made to solve that problem. That at this point in my life was my purpose was to solve that problem. So that's the, that's the story I would, I would give, Kevin. Yeah, no, I love that so much. So I, I want to ask you some more about that, but but I would love for us to to kind of circle back around to it because yeah. I want to figure out how you even came to be speaking on that stage in the realm of podcasting in 2020. So take me back, if you would, to early childhood and where did this whole kind of career path begin? Because I mean, obviously speaking, when you were a child, you weren't growing up like, I'm going to be a podcaster when I grow up. But <laughs> it didn't exist yet. <laughs> that wasn't a thing. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So when did this kind of career journey begin for you? Was it like a lot of kids where it's just after high school, you're floundering around, figure it out? Or was it earlier on? Well, I mean, th there's a few things I'd like to share here. The, the first one was when I realized what I was good at. That was like the first revelation I had of what eventually led to me starting a podcast. And it goes back to the age of 10, believe it or not. But that age in my life, I was, I was a weird kid, Kevin. I'll, I'll just be real. <laughs> um, you know what? Real quick. I wasn't a weird kid. I was an awesome kid. And I say that specifically because everyone who's listening to this, I encourage you, pause this episode. Forget about Alex Sanfilippo for a minute. Go back to episode 188. You called it embracing your awesomeness is what I think you called it, Kevin. It was episode 188. It aired on May 25th, 2023. Man, that was powerful. Younger Alex needed that. I, I still needed it today, but younger Alex really needed that. So again, everyone pause this. Go listen to that solo episode that Kevin did on the same show. Dude, amazing. Thank you for that. I digress. Where was I? Okay, I was talking <laughs> about myself as a 10-year-old kid. But for real, man, that was really powerful. Oh, well, um, well thank you. Yeah. So uh, me as a 10-year-old kid, I, I had this... I was very self-aware and it's probably now weirder to even think about that. But like, I realized that growing up in this neighborhood, I had brothers and a ton of neighborhood friends. It was like a super diverse neighborhood. But I realized all these kids were good at school or video games or both. And I wasn't good at either of them. My brothers were all musicians. I couldn't clap on beat. I wasn't like athletic at all. Like there, there was all these things. I'm like, okay, I'm a 10 year old kid. And I wasn't depressed about it or stressed, but I just realized I'm like, I just haven't found my thing. Like I'm not good at any of these things that everyone else here seems to just like really understand. And then one day we were all playing on the golf course, which was across the street from our neighborhood. I think, Ken, we all played on the golf course because our parents specifically said, don't go on the golf course. <laughs> we're like, we're on it. <laughs> um, 
so we're all out there and a whole bunch of us. And I, there's a golf ball just sitting there. I picked it up and I, I was probably going to throw it in the lake or something like that. A 10 year old kid, right? What was I going to do with it? And this golfer rides by on a cart and he yells, he goes, Hey kid, what does that golf ball say on it? I turned around and said, Titleist Pro V1. And he goes, I'll give you $3 for it. <laughs> and Kevin, I don't, I'm not exaggerating. In that moment, this light bulb went off, which I think was the first light bulb moment of my life where I was like, wait a minute. There are tons of these in these lakes and sitting all around the lake. Will every golfer give me $3 for one of these? Like, holy cow, we're not selling lemonade. We're going to be selling <laughs> golf balls. And so for the first time, I started just grabbing all the other kids in the neighborhood, including my brother, and saying, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go look on Tuesdays and Thursdays after school. You're going to do this. Hey, my younger brother, you're in charge of cleaning them. We'll organize them in these bins. Saturday morning, we'll sit here and try to sell them. And we built a little business. And I say a little business. We weren't paying taxes. So Uncle Sam, <laughs> uh, if I owe you something, I'm sorry. But for the first time in my life, I share that story. I realized, man, business made sense to me. The idea of organization, the idea of having a structure around it, of having a plan, like all that stuff, it just started clicking. And no other kid in the neighborhood really necessarily had that at that point. Now, obviously, I was probably like, like premature with like that skill set, and others probably have, have stepped into it. But at that point, I was like, man, this is it. And uh, that was like the first time that I realized that like business entrepreneurship was going to be something in my future. And throughout high school, I had all kinds of odd jobs. I did some fun startup stuff, even, in, even as a high school kid, really loved it. But ultimately where I ended up, Kevin, was I, I, did, I ended up in big corporate. I was in a, in a company for 15 years in the aerospace industry. And toward the end of that is when I got into podcasting, which I, I know you want to get into, but I want to see if you want to fill in any of the gaps there or you had any thoughts before I just keep on rambling here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, so first and foremost, I mean, the business model that you adopted at 10 years old was brilliant. You have a product that you don't have to make. It's free. You just have to go out and get it. And yet you have these guys who it's it's kind of like the motto, lose your ball today and buy it from me tomorrow. You know? And I'm like, <laughs> well said. <laughs> <laughs> now, reason two I needed Kevin as a kid. There we go. <laughs> that's that's awesome. Now, curious, your parents, what did they do? Were they entrepreneurs or like what kind of, of, you know, dynamic did you grow up in is, you know, as far as family, you know, with, with careers? Yeah. So first off, I had like the most loving, caring family. Like I had an excellent upbringing, super thankful for it. As a matter of fact, my parents were both entrepreneurs. My dad was an entrepreneur in the aerospace industry. So he was like a, a big name in that, but he started off as literally nobody. You know, I was a kid. I don't know how old I was, but the first few years of my life, I grew up in like a one bedroom apartment. And uh, it's just that that's all we could afford because they were starting a business. My mom, she always was like an independent hairstylist. And so she was doing like all that stuff. And, and even I can remember she would like people would come to the house because she had little kids. She ultimately ended up stopping because mainly me, I had some learning disabilities as a kid. And that made it pretty hard for me to, I, I would have never made it in an actual school. So she made the decision to come home, which again, I just had the most loving, caring parents. And like, so she, again, going back to the whole butterfly effect thing, I could have shared. My mom helped me through school to learn to read and write so I could ultimately do what I'm doing now. But I digress once again, but uh, my upbringing was great. So like, even when we started selling golf balls, my dad was like, this is so cool. Have you all thought about this? Have you thought about that? My mom was always like, hey, make sure you all get out there, but just come back before it's dark, right? <laughs> Very supportive all the way through. And I, I'm, I'm so thankful for that because I, I believe a lot of, a lot of who any of us come up to be is the upbringing that we have. And uh, it, they, they really fostered a space of independence and uh, exploration, just going out and exploring. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love that so much. Now, so we, we talk about kind of this, this entrepreneurial spirit. So I'm kind of curious though, because I think in my mind, it was 
that immediately after high school, you, you set off on creating a business or whatever, but no, you actually go a totally different realm. You said, so talk to me, what led you down that path? Yeah, it was actually a series of unfortunate events. Let's put it that way. When I was in, in high school, I mentioned like I had some odd jobs. I was I started flipping stuff on eBay because I was like really early with that and you could make a lot of money doing it. It was super fun. So I started doing stuff like that. But ultimately, I ended up in real estate, creating virtual tours of homes. So doing like online editing, I, I ran a remote company. I was 16 years old when I started it. And I had, I think se- there were seven of us. There was three editors, including me, yeah, and four photographers. There were seven of us total. And they were going out taking pictures of homes. We were stitching them together, creating these virtual tours that you could post on the MLS. And we had the MLS access and everything like that. So we were working directly with realtors and and brokerages to build it. It was a great business, like super fun. Absolutely loved it. And uh, again, working remote before that was really a thing. But what happened is I turned 18 and thought it was so cool because I've been doing this from 16, 17, 18. I'm like, I'm going to start investing in real estate. This this is amazing. Like I, I love seeing the houses. I've learned so much about it. I'm going to start investing. So I started getting into that world. Well, six months after I turned 18, when I had a property under my belt and a company that was based on a good real estate market, that's when 2007, 8, 9 mm. hit. And I went from having a really good investment and doing really, really well, Kevin, to being the most in debt 18 year old I've ever met in my life. Yeah. And to a company that no longer, there, there was nothing there. So people always ask me, well, did you sell it? No, I, I gave it to a partner that I had in it because I, there was nothing. There was nothing. And we went from doing like, 30 to 40 homes a day to one or two a week. It just, it wasn't there anymore. So I'm like, cool, I'm the only one who needs to work here, right? So I ended up just giving it up. And at that point, that's the reason that I went into, into corporate because I remember, I'll, I'll never forget it, Kevin. I called my dad when I was kind of like at this rock bottom moment. I'm like, hey dad, like, I think I need to get a job. And he's like, really? Uh, I was like, yeah, do you have anything like in aerospace? Like, cause that's the, again, the industry he came from. And uh, he's like, I can get you an interview. I can't get you a job, but I can get you an interview. So he got me an interview. And uh, before anyone thinks when I say aerospace, I was applying to be a a skydiver, astronaut, or fighter pilot because that was not the case. (laughs) I applied for a job, which was a part-time receiving clerk, which was translation for I took out people's trash and broke down boxes. (laughs) And we laugh, humble beginnings, man. Like, but it was, that was so good for me because I had, I started being built up with pride at that young age because I was doing so well to now doing really bad, upside down on everything in life. And all I have to show for it was a part-time job. And the truth is, I, I never let that get to me. I never was scared to share it, but I needed it. And uh, yeah, so that's ultimately what got me into a corporate job. What was just that that doorway of being a really bad economy and me honestly being a young guy who was too scared to to take any more risk. Yeah, no, that's me. So now when you got into that, where did that career lead you? I mean, because you said you did that for 15 years. Yeah, yeah. thankfully I went full time and my job changed a little bit. Yes. Uh, <laughs> So again, kind of going back to the upbringing, like I just, I, I know my skill set, So I can remember when I was there, as soon as I kind of like got over my pride and got over myself, I was like, I'm going to apply myself here and just see what can happen. And now that this has actually been coined, Kevin, it's called an entrepreneur, entrepreneur. Okay. It's like, it's an entrepreneur in an organization. I think it sounds super cheesy, but like, it's <laughs> apparently a known thing now. Okay. So I immediately started operating in that way. Like I worked in an organization, I followed the rules, I did all that. But at the same time, I was a very free mind inside of it. So here's the example of that. When I was that part-time receiving clerk, again, breaking down boxes and taking out the trash, I realized there's some trash cans that we had to empty multiple times a day. And there's others that never get used. So I started moving bigger trash cans to the ones that are always full and moving this and putting smaller ones where they were never hardly getting used. And when it was breaking down boxes, there was like multiple stations in the company where people would break down boxes. I said, hey, let's put it all on carts. 
We'll build all the one central place so it's out of the way and it looks cleaner and we'll break them down there. And that type of thing just doesn't go unnoticed. Like I was being proactive even in a very small way. But when when people that are in charge of, of a large, and this was a multi-million dollar organization this time and actually ended up becoming a publicly traded multi-billion dollar organization by the time I left. But that even at that smaller scale didn't go unnoticed. And so I was very quickly offered full-time and from there moved into other positions. And to, to make, I mean, here's the thing, it's, it's, it was a 15-year career. If I was to share all the little details, it's, it's not Hollywood. It was boring, right? I loved what I did, but there's no like, I can't make it sexier than it was. But over 15 years, I worked my way up from being that guy at the ground level to eventually becoming a senior executive. So the C-suite level of the company. It started with, it was just a few million dollar company and ended when it was a multi-billion dollar traded, publicly traded company. I ended up sitting at that C-suite level and I was the youngest person sitting in that room with that group of people. And I, I, I cherished that moment. It was, it was a beautiful thing. But yeah, that was over a 15-year period. Wow. I mean, that's really amazing. I mean, really, really amazing. I mean, and, and you know, I mean, I think there's something, I mean, to be said about that. I mean, we, we talk about entrepreneurship. That's sexy. It's exciting. But there's also something equally incredible about getting to be a part of a massive company like that. And especially in, in this time that you're there, watching it grow and taking it from the mindset that you did where it wasn't just a job. You know, you yeah. you developed it into your own thing. And that's amazing. And so 15 years in and everybody thinks, OK, but now he's in podcasting. What happened to him? He must have gotten to drugs or something, you know, <laughs> that's the talk at the local diner anyways, you know, but so, right. so what happened to poor Alex? You know? <laughs> yeah, man, I'll, I'll tell you what, again, I, I thank that career so much. And I want to give this little um, disclaimer, if I, if I can call it that. But uh, my last year, my last day of the company was my best. I'm a firm believer that the same foot you leave on is the same foot you begin on. I wanted to leave on such good terms that my next thing started off really well. So I want to kind of give that example here because I'm going to share the story of what ultimately led me to leave. And I don't want anyone listening to think the mindset of like, oh, Alex, stop trying. Mm. Like, no, no, no. I, I gave it my all until my last second of that company. And the, the, the proof that I did really well, and I'm still thankful for this, there's been two occasions where senior directors of the company have left and I left the company years ago. I even just two months prior to recording this. So I, I got called and asked to come back in to speak at another person's going away. Wow. Uh, like party they're hosting. So again, I left on good enough terms that they were, they, they have welcomed me back and I've spoken at the company multiple times since then. So again, that's the disclaimer I want to give. Cause again, I think the foot you leave on is the foot you begin on. You end on the same foot that you begin on. And so I just want to encourage anybody who's hearing this. If you're thinking like, Oh man, I'm so tired of this company. Give it 110% till the day you leave because then you start on that right foot. So Kevin, that's a little bonus for your Yeah, for your that, today. that was some Alex goodness right there. I love it. <laughs> yeah, use that hashtag, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, so how did I leave this career, right? Like to share that story, when the company went public, at first I was like, and I was part of that. And seeing that was amazing, man. Like being able to be part of that, like what a cool thing. Like I never, that's probably the only time I'll ever do that in my life. And it was just a really fun stressful times thing. But after we went public, I can remember I, I was overseeing five divisions of the company. And one of my divisions, again, we're a multi-billion dollar company. So one of my divisions saved a full 10%. And they made 10% additional profit. Let's put it that way, over a quarter. And I, I mean, again, we're talking at that scale, like, man, I was proud. 
And so in my head, what happened is I walked down to my CEO, who I reported directly to. I walked down to his office and kicked his door in and bust out my cigar and my scotch and put my feet on his desk and was like, hey, man, did you see what happened? Uh, in reality, <laughs> I, I, I nicely knocked on his door. I was like, excuse me, Paul, can I come in? And, you know, like, and so I was telling him like, hey, did you see what we did in, in XYZ division? And he goes, yeah, man, I saw it. And like, I leaned in a little bit. I'm like, because I could hear the tone. He wasn't happy about it. I'm like, no, no. Like, did you notice like we, we made an extra 10% profit in that division? He goes, no, no, I, I saw it. I know. And again, I could hear the frustration, but I didn't say anything. I just kind of sat back and I'm like, you could tell I was just like, oh, why are you not happy? Right? Like you could tell I was, I was saying that because man, we didn't tell shareholders and we didn't tell anyone on the board that we were going to have such a big thing happen in the last quarter. He goes, and now I have to explain to them why we made so much and why they couldn't be selling the stocks at a higher amount. And he goes, just, just don't do that again. Not without us talking about it and it being part of the plan. Mm. And, um, mm. I was like, I, I understand. I was like, sorry, I've, I've never been in that situation before. He's like, I know. He's like, you're not in trouble or anything. He's like, we just got to think about this. And so I remember walking out of the, his office that day, Kevin, shutting the door behind me and walking back down to my office, which wasn't far down the hall. But man, that was the first time I had an experience in that building where I felt like I was taking a long walk. It felt like an hour and I was walking just a couple doors down, really. And man, on that walk, that felt like forever. I told myself, I think it's time to go. Because I realized I could no longer be that quote unquote entrepreneur in this organization. Now I felt, although this is maybe extreme to say, a little bit like a cog in the system. I was like, man, I, I just don't think I can do this long term now that it's like this. And, and sure, I help see it there. Most companies, that's the goal is to get to that. But I just realized, man, that this is all I can contribute. I, I, I think it's time to move on, man. And that was, if you will, the beginning of the end of it. And that was about, that was 12 years into my 15 year career there. Wow. Wow. I mean, that's a really powerful, powerful story of, of realizing that it's time for me to move on. You know, it wasn't that it was something meaning, you know, some, some trivial little thing or, you know, this, it was truly a moment that, that made you realize I, I've got to do something more for me, you know? And, yeah. but at that moment though, you, you still say though, it's still, you were still there for another three years. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, I'd actually love to explain that. I'm glad you brought that point up. A lot of people miss that little detail, Kevin. It's, uh, <laughs> you're like, there's, there's, there's a gap here, man. You're like, Alex, what did you do? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I immediately went back to my entrepreneurial roots. I thought of what made me happy. Like what, what did I enjoy doing? I was like, man, I gotta give this entrepreneurship thing a shot again. And I did what I still believe is good advice and a smart thing to do. I started side hustles. I didn't quit my day job. And like I said, I continued to apply myself there. But I started figuring out, like, think about it, man. After 12 years, you don't even know what you like anymore, right? Like, it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a full 180. Like, you got to get out there and try things again. So I started all these, like, for lack of a better term, side hustles, which just means in my free time, I was like, well, I'll start a blog. And that's one of the things I did. I started trying a podcast, which by the way, failed and later on worked. But I, I, I tried like a bunch of little things. I tried doing some web design stuff. I liked work on computers. So I tried a lot of that type of thing. I did some coaching, some, some speaking. And what I realized, Kevin, is that I wasn't good at being an entrepreneur anymore. <laughs> and man, I got, I got really intimidated. I'll be yeah. real. Because like, everything I did seemed to fail. Like I was like, man, nothing is working. And the weird thing is, if I go back to my childhood, everything I did, it's like, it, if I touched it, it, it turned into gold. And I, I don't say that in a prideful way, but like, I just kept on hitting the mark. Maybe it's because I'm a cute kid, right? At that point from 10 to, well, you're not cute at 17. You're a 10 year old kid. Like, obviously you're going to give them $3 for a golf ball. But like, the thing is, I just realized like, man, none of this is working. And maybe I'm a corporate guy now. Maybe I'm just not a good entrepreneur. And along the way of that really starting to bother me, 
I decided, I don't know if this was brilliance or just, I don't know what it was, but I decided to start a podcast for real instead of letting it fail. But the, the point of this podcast was, it was called creating a brand. I was exploring the art of creating a brand, which simply in my mind meant I'm going to figure out what it takes to become a successful entrepreneur, how to leave a full-time career and pursue entrepreneurship full-time. What do people do? How do they do it? What are kind of like, what's in between? I want to talk to people who have had that journey experience happen because I wanted the education. And I was like, I'll bring people with me. It'd be a fun thing, right? So that's what I started. I started that at year, probably year 13 or something like that of the, being in the organization. And the strangest thing happened, Kevin, I learned what it took to become an entrepreneur. And so through that podcast, which again, was just a side hustle, I had a, I had a nine to five job. Ultimately, what I learned, and I'll, I'll summarize entrepreneurship in way too few words. So forgive me for anyone who's listening. It's just like a like some sort of like serial entrepreneurial rock star, right? <laughs> but basically what I learned in 158 episodes of that show, I learned that in order to become a successful entrepreneur, you first and foremost find an area of passion. The next thing you do is you get into the community of that passion. Like who are the people? Get involved with them. Find out a simple problem they're struggling with and then offer the most simple solution to that problem. And if we go back to me being on that podcast stage, how I shared early on, right? Like I was in Orlando on that stage I was passionate about podcasting. I fell in love with it. And Kevin, I realized I want to be an entrepreneur, but I wanted to be in podcasting. Again, my own show taught me that. And then I got into the community. I was speaking to the community. I wanted to talk to them. I asked them, what is it that you're struggling with? And then ultimately, I created the solution to that problem. And that is what got me out of the nine to five job. That's what eventually at year 15 caused me to leave and pursue entrepreneurship full time. Wow, that's incredible. Now, where did podcasting even come into the mix? Because I know all of us kind of have our own journey of even discovering podcasts and listening to podcasts. How did that begin for you? Yeah, the, the first time I heard of one, it was actually at that aerospace job I was in. I, I, one of my departments I was overseeing at, at this point, I think it was 2014, was like the entire warehouse division. So it was like the shipping, receiving crew, inventory, all that. And I was walking back there and they were all like on a lunch break. And I was like walking back just to go say hi to everyone. I was always that type of leader. I love to, to be involved with, with everybody that I was that I hired and stuff like that. And they're all listening to audio. But I walked back there thinking there was gonna be a TV on or something. There's no screens on. I'm like, what are you all doing? And like, oh, we're listening to a podcast. I said, what the heck is a podcast? <laughs> and they go, what we're listening? This is a podcast. We're listening right now. I'm like, you're sitting here listening to two people talk. And they're like, yeah, it's super interesting. I was like, no, it's not. Like I literally said that. And like I sat there for a minute and started listening. I was like, wait, who was this guy? wait, who's the guy who's interviewing him? And like, I started asking questions like, see, it is interesting. I was like, all right, how do I get this? Like, it's on your phone. I'm like, no, it's not. And sure enough, there's an app on my phone called podcast, right? So that was my introduction to podcasts. And while I was at work, I remember that same day, I had like a project I needed to do that was like really tedious, which typically I would delegate. But I was like, I'm going to do this project. I'm going to listen to a podcast. I, I don't even remember what show it was that I listened to, whatever they were listening to. I just lo loaded that one up. And that was my introduction to it from going from what the heck is this to this is silly. No one wants to hear this to holy cow, this is amazing. Are there more of these? That was like my introduction. That was 2014. Wow. 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 That is so cool. So cool. Now, what I think is cool about that is I think so many people have the same similar words that when they're introduced to a podcast, it's the same way I describe it. What the heck is that? Right. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> and, uh, so now, okay, so that's super cool. So now we're back up. So you're doing this this podcast that really started out as a way of you trying to figure out how to become an entrepreneur again, to get your mojo back in the entrepreneurial space. And so you're learning these lessons, you're doing that. So what happens then? 
Yeah. So uh, again, I figured out what it was like to be an entrepreneur, like what it meant, like, and I found that problem, right? So I, I spoke at that conference, found the problem that I wanted to offer a solution for. And this, the solution, I, I definitely don't want this podcast episode to become some sort of sales pitch. So I'll just quickly give an overview of what it is. And we don't really need to dive into it past that because it gets really technical. But what I realized was missing. Once again, people were saying I'm having trouble finding that ideal guest for my podcast. Came home, didn't know what to do with that, Kevin. Again, I only figured out like the first few steps. I'm like, well, how do you actually do that, right? And I'll never forget it. I was actually outside because at this point, the world had shut down. I don't mean to bring up hard times, but this was 2020, right? So I was on my back porch working out because it's what I had. And I believe I was doing it like a kettlebell workout. So like I just having a good time thinking about this problem though. Like what solution would be the, like how do I help people find these ideal guests, right? And I'll never forget it, Kevin. It, it hit me while I was out there. And I should give a disclaimer. Like I should say, it wasn't the kettlebell that hit me. It was the idea. <laughs> I didn't hit myself in the head with weights. Um, although some might say, um, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> no, but I, I remember putting down, like I was mid swing. I put down the, the kettlebell, ran inside to something like I'm super sweaty at this point, right? Sorry for the graphic description, everyone. But I had a wall of whiteboards in, in my home office. And I was like, what? Right boring this out. My wife walks in. She goes, what the heck are you doing? She's like, what? What are you like? You're super sweaty. Like, and you're like, like aggressively writing on this white, like all across these whiteboards. I covered like three whiteboards. I'm like, I figured it out. I was like, what people need is the same thing that at one point people needed to find someone to date. Right. And that's why we have this whole sphere of dating apps. I'm like, what if there's a dating app that connected podcast guests and podcast hosts together so they could record an interview? And she's like, oh, that sounds interesting. So I finished whiteboarding out. I was like, wow, this, this is this is the idea. So I called a buddy of mine who's a software developer. Same day, I just picked up the phone and called him like, hey man, I don't have any capacity, but can I pitch an idea to you? He goes, man, I just ended a multi-year project two days ago. He's like, I actually have time. What, what do you got? Pitch it to me. And still to this day, this is how we describe what is now called Podmatch. So it's podmatch.com. And we say Podmatch is a software that automatically matches ideal podcast guests and hosts together for interviews. It works just like your favorite dating app, but instead of matching you for dates, it matches you for podcast interviews. And that's exactly the words I said to him. And he goes, this is a great idea. I don't know anything about podcasting, but I trust you and your expertise, Alex. Let's do it. And so I immediately brought on the, the software side of the, like the guy who could actually do the coding, right? The coder, the developer. And I knew podcasting. And so we just went to town working on it. And man, I'll be real. I didn't know what I had gotten into. But the only thing I remember going back to like what I learned about being an entrepreneur is it's the most simple form of solution you can possibly offer. So instead of making it overly complex and being like, well, they need ways to record in here. They need ways to, to, to do post-production. No, no, no. We just said, can we just put the two people together and it work? Can we just do that? And that's called an MVP, minimal viable product. And we started ugly, man. We didn't have a, we didn't have a logo or anything when we actually launched it, but we just said, will it solve the problem our podcasters that we're passionate to serve said that they're facing? And man, that, that's what we set out to do. And that was a three-month process. That was March 10th, 2020. And we, we went live into an early beta, June 15th, 2020. Yeah, dude. I mean, that's totally insane. But you know why it works? It's because exactly what you said. It's simple. It's so simple that you had to think to yourself, why has nobody else already done this before? <laughs> right. And you yeah, know what? That was my first thought. <laughs> and those are the best ideas that we ever have. They're so simple that it's like somebody had to have already done this. No, they haven't. I mean, dude, that's incredible. Yeah, man, dude, it was super fun. And we know going back to the MVP thing, minimal viral product, that was so important because six months after we launched, there was some others that came up. I feel like a bunch of people had the idea at the same time. But when they launched their product, unlike ours, theirs was beautiful. I mean, super polished, super clean logo, every page transitioned beautifully, right? 
what we did is we went the opposite. We said, does it work? <laughs> Someone's like, dude, your logo is terrible. I'm like, that wasn't my question. Does it work? <laughs> well, yeah, it works, but it's really slow. I'm like, not my question. Does it work? Yes. Okay. What's the next thing we need to fix on it? So what we did is we started ugly, focused on continuous improvement. So fast forward to when there was some competition in the game. So six months later, again, people showed up. Their problem was it was beautiful. It was slick. It was sexy, but it didn't work. <laughs> and so we were on the flip side. Now it looked good because we had a six month head start because we were getting real feedback from people along the way. So now not only did it work, which is the first thing we all need to validate, but also it was a clean product now. And so like that puts you light years ahead. Still to this day, years later, we focus on continuous improvement. We still to this day, but compared to what some other people have done to raise funding, which we never raised any funding, to them putting hundreds of thousands of dollars in it, they're still behind. And I, I don't say to be prideful at all. And honestly, a lot of them are doing a good job at this point. But I'm like, man, the direction we took is the direction I take, tell anyone to take. Like whatever it is that you're wanting to do, try just solving the most simple form of the problem in the quickest way possible and worry about the rest of it later. Yeah. But here's the thing though that people have to understand is that you are so awesome that you realize though that it's that's not enough. And it's not enough in the fact that you keep realizing that people in the podcasting space, they keep having other problems, though, because producing a podcast, it's a lot of work. It's a big job. And you you said it earlier that you wanted to dive into this community. And I can tell you from my personal experience that the podcasting community, it might be relatively small, but it's truly like a family. And I want to know, what was that experience like for you? Because literally you go from this guy who was in corporate to now entrepreneurship and in an industry that's not competition. It's literally like family, everybody trying to build each other up. What was that experience like for you? And how did that lead to you coming up with more ideas and more, you know, sweets that you've added to the mix to help podcasters? Yeah, Kevin, I'm so glad you brought this up. What an important thing to talk about, man. Like, thankful for that. Thank you for, for bringing that up. First off, the interesting thing is the, the year I got into podcasting full time, I don't know who let out, I think it was Edison Research let a report of like the total size of podcasting, like as an industry, the entire industry. And the company I was at, <laughs> I was on the C-suite of was three times the size of the entire podcast industry. <laughs> like, so, I mean, just think about that. Like when I was there, I was like, wait a minute. I'm like, what the heck? I'm like, how, how is that possible? Like I was running a company that's three times the size as the entire industry. But again, like I, I was no longer motivated by that. What, what attracted me to the industry, like you're saying, like why, why this, this smaller, more family oriented thing? It's exactly that, man. When I launched creating a brand, like again, I tried a few years before to launch a podcast and it just totally fell on its face, but I didn't get into the community at all. When I launched this show, other people with entrepreneurship podcasts said, Hey, Alex, how can I help? Hey, can I share your episode? Hey, can I, can I introduce you to so-and-so? Hey, I've got an idea for, for somebody who can be on the show or someone show you can be on. Like, There's all this stuff happening. And again, coming from big corporate aerospace, which is cutthroat is all get out. Like when you're in sales, the person next to you is your friend, but they'll also cut you, right? So you got to be careful. And coming from that highly hyper-competitive industry in general to this one with an abundance mindset, man, I feel like giving everyone a hug, Kevin. Like everyone I met, I'm like, wow, we're, we're, we're family. We're friends, right? And because of that, man, I, I was, that's what in, initially attracted me saying, you know what? I want to be so involved in this because I love this. This is a great group of people for me to be involved with. Like so excited to jump into it. And that was ultimately what made me decide, cool, I'm going to keep on finding what people are struggling with. So 
to your point, beyond Podmatch and creating that, there's been other things, but I've, I came up with it the same way. I just asked podcasters, what is it that you're struggling with? What's the problem? Like, what else can we do? And again, this abundance mindset, a lot of this stuff, I'm just trying my best to put it out there. If it can help one podcaster avoid what we call in the biz pod fade, right? Which just means quitting their show prematurely and no longer serving somebody. Like if we can help them avoid that, man, I'm all in to build some sort of solution for that. Yeah, I love it so much, Alex. I love that so much. Now, you brought up pod fade and that that was one thing I wanted to ask you about was for for my listener, if, if you don't realize what we're talking about, we're talking about pod fade, we're talking about that there's a massive majority of people who start a podcast who don't make it, but past a few episodes. And it's a big thing in the space of, of everybody trying to figure out what is with it, what stops people, you know, from producing episodes. But what I would like to ask you, Alex, is from your perspective, working in the tech space, what is it that keeps people podcasting and not stopping like everyone, you know, we're, we're led to believe does? Well, how long do you got? That's my first question. <laughs> I'll give you some high level stuff. How's that? Yeah. I, I'll, make it, I'll make it actionable. But to your point, a lot of people I meet that have quote unquote wanted to start a podcast are like, oh, but there's already so many of them. And it's true at time of us recording this, there's just over 2.8 million podcasts on Apple Podcasts specifically. But the thing is, there's only just over 400,000 that are active. Think about that. That's really not that many when you go into all the different categories. Like there's hundreds of categories, different types of podcasts. And you divide that up, there's actually not that many podcasts are producing episodes. And Kevin, that was my first thing, man. Like it was funny when I when we launched Podmatch four months later, I was like, uh-oh, we have a problem. I told my co-founder Jesse, the technical guy, I'm like, man, we have a problem. He's like, what? I'm like, people are leaving so fast. I'm like, something's not working. And uh, so I started getting on calls with all these podcasters are leaving. And occasionally, Kevin, of course, there's the I don't even know what to call this type of person. Just the rude, mean person who's like, your product sucks. Right? So, there, there was those. And I was like, cool, can you give me any reasons why? They're like, no, it just sucks. I'm like, cool, not helpful. you know. But the 90% or 99% even were people saying, oh, I, I wasn't leaving your software. I wasn't stopping using Podmatch. I'm stopping my podcast completely. And I was like, oh man, like that's sad. And again, 2.8 million podcasts to only 400,000 that are actually active. There's a big difference. And yeah, man, so I started actually diving in when I was talking to these people about leaving, I started asking and I started collecting data instead of just having the conversation and saying, Oh, so sorry. See you. Have a good life. I started asking them saying, Hey, can I ask you a few really pointed questions? And I've come up with some true data points for why people stop podcasting. And what it comes down to first and foremost is unrealistic expectations for a lot of people. And you know this, Kevin, when you first started your show, I mean, you're, you're hundreds of episodes in now, so you get it. Like you start seeing some traction at some point, but it, it takes consistency to get there. And if, if I could like try to paint a mental, mental picture, everybody, if there's two lines running parallel, right? One below the other, the top line is consistency and the line below it is results. And over a period of time, if you just kind of follow those lines, eventually the result overtakes and becomes the higher of the two lines because you start seeing some results. So it's, it's above it now, right? But consistency remains the same. And the problem is too many people, like they look at it and they're like, oh, I'm 10 episodes in and there's only been a hundred people who listen to my show. I quit. <laughs> we both have seen that, right, Kevin? Yep. Like you've probably seen that a ton of times, right? And so the truth is consistency is the first thing, but we have these unrealistic expectations. So the first thing I say is educating podcasters to, hey, first off, if you've spoken to 100 people, podcasting is not like social media. Social media has its place. Podcasting is like people sitting in seats watching you talk on a stage and they want to be there every single week. Now, you can't tell me there's a, there's a room with 100 people that want to hear you talk that you're not going to go speak to. 
right? Like, I've, I've, like, man, that's powerful. That is powerful. If that's the only people ever listening to your show, that is still extremely powerful. And so that, that was the first thing. The other thing is there's just a lot of stress that comes with it because people don't really know how much work it is. So there's stress that gets involved. And it's like, man, like they don't know any of the tools that exist. They don't know any of the people that can help them. They're kind of at it alone. And if you think about it, podcasting, because it's built on some old school technology called RSS, which I'm not going to get into, when you launch, you're kind of in your own little world. Like you don't really know what else is out there without putting yourself out there a little bit. So you don't hear from listeners. There's no way for them to like message into the podcast without you setting that type of thing up. So for a lot of people, there's stress involved and they feel like they're talking to themselves. So like I'm stressed out talking to myself, saying no result. I'm going to quit. And I'll admit that makes it really attractive to say, this is a lot of work and pressure. I'm just going to go ahead and stop. Those are some of the main things that I think have caused people to pod fade. Yeah, absolutely. Now, one thing that I want to ask you about, and this is directed towards my audience, which most of the people listen to my, my show are, are not podcasters, but right. they are people who are entrepreneurs. They're people who are wanting to, to maybe do something. They're starting a new business. They're excited about something in life. Or maybe they just have a story to tell. Maybe they've written a book. Maybe they have something that they would love for more people to hear. Talk to them about podcasting as a guest. Because I think so many mm -hmm. times when we think of podcasts, we only think of, well, you have to create a podcast. You have to be the podcast host. But in reality, you can just be the guest. Yeah, you really can. I mean, you're going with the title of your show, Grit, Grace, and Inspiration. Like... <laughs> this is the inspiration part. Like we, we can all inspire somebody else. And I think the podcast guesting is one of the best ways to do that. Like you don't necessarily need to become like a, a podcasting guru, like Kevin to, to have some influence and to be able to inspire people. But being a guest on a podcast is relatively a low barrier to entry. And really most like, here's the thing, like perfect example is this interview today, Kevin, you have not asked me one thing that I'm like, oh, wow, never thought of that before, <laughs> right? Like, no, you're asking me about my story, my journey in a way that it can help create grace and inspiration, be able to continue to level up and right, like, and understand like, but just feeling amazing, right? And the thing is, that's what it is for most podcasts. Like there's very few that are gonna show up and interrogate you. So if you're listening, it's like, ooh, I don't know if I wanna be that vulnerable. If you've got a story or a journey to share or even a book to sell, which is probably based around some sort of life experience you've had, anything like that, is great for a podcast because what really makes podcasts, I mean, powerful is exactly what we're doing right now. And Kevin, you are an amazing interviewer. Like this is a really good episode and that's all it takes. And so like, first off, you're thinking, I don't know if I'd want to do that, man. If you've got something that can inspire somebody, motivate somebody, help somebody go one step further, I think podcast guesting is probably for you. And the benefit of that is maybe you sell a product or service, or maybe you sell like a book, whatever it might be. So man, yeah, I think that this is something we can definitely talk about. I don't know what direction you want me to go in, Kevin. Do you want me to share some of the tactics for getting started with that? Like what would be helpful for everybody today? Absolutely. I would love for you to share for the person who's like, oh, okay, I like it. Well, what would be their next step? Yeah. Okay. So step one, first off is start with why. I always say that. Like, <laughs> I, don't mean, I don't mean Simon Sinek's book. I mean, actually sit down and start with why. And my favorite way to do this is get a pen and paper, Go somewhere that inspires you. For me, it's the ocean. I live in Jacksonville, Florida. I live close to the ocean. Kevin, I know you live close to the ocean as well. But it's one of those things. It's like, that's where I go to get inspired. Go where that place is. Take pen and paper and ask yourself, why do I want to be a guest on a podcast? What is the ultimate? What can I do to serve somebody else by being a guest on a podcast? Ask yourself these pointed questions because that'll help you develop the story that you're going to want to share on them. 
you'll never share the same overarching story twice. You might share little elements. Like I've talked about selling golf balls before on a podcast, right? Those are pieces of my life. I'm going to reshare them. But in general, every episode is going to be a little bit different. So you're not like coming up with a script. You're just saying, what are the things that I know that are going to help people? That way you have a plan. It helps you understand what kind of podcast you want to get on. What is it that you want to get out of it as well? It's going to be in it for you, right? And I do always say lead with value. So it's like you'll get rewarded for the value that you show up to add. But you got to think about all these things because a lot of people, they kind of go more of like a ready, fire, aim mentality in podcasts. And we're like, I'll get on them and I'll figure it out as I go. That could happen. But in general, I find it's much better if you actually figure out where you want to go first. Have that idea because then a podcast host can say, you know what? This person's got their stuff together. They've got a story uh, of grit, grace, and inspiration that's going to do really well. That was me pretending to be Kevin uh, and having him, <laughs> him having you on your show, right? Come on, that's sweet. But yeah, so start with why. Write that down. The very next thing I'll share right along with that is to just get some, some decent gear. Like you, you don't need to go spend hundreds of dollars on mics and cameras and stuff, but make sure you've got a good setup that you're proud of. A lot of podcasts these days, they're video audio. I shouldn't even say most. It's like half and half. So it just depends on what show you're on. But make sure you know, like, okay, if this is a video podcast, I got to be video ready, which means I probably shouldn't have all my clothes unfolded in the background on the floor, right? Or if it's audio only, like you want it to be good, high quality, make sure you're not like sitting in a room with an echo or your dog barking in the background, right? Like have, have some pride in what you're going to do. And then beyond that, that's kind of like how you're going to get there. It's a matter of reaching out to podcasts because you can't just be like, cool, I'm ready. Where's everybody at? Right. I believe that you're going to do really well the more that you reach out. And that's really important. Like you got to put in the work. And that's kind of some of what I'll share. And we can dive more into that if you want, Kevin, or I'll follow your direction here. Yeah. No, I mean, I think those are, are perfect starting points. And I mean, I know you don't want to be the advertiser, so I will do the advertising for you. <laughs> Is if you want to shortcut the process, you sign up for the best dating website there is where you can get married to a podcaster on Podmatch. <laughs> <laughs> well, hold on now. Yeah, yeah. Here. <laughs> yeah. There's no actual marriage happening. No. I'm not responsible for that. You'll get on a show as a guest. <laughs> yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Of course, of course, Alex. You know, we get we gotta we gotta butter him up a little bit. You know, we gotta get him excited, you know. But but no, but but share with people though how Podmatch works from their perspective of somebody just starting out. How how does it work? How easy is it for him to get started? Yeah. So podmatch.com is a website, but Kevin does have, a, he's a partner. So he has a specific link that'll actually ensure you get the best price of all time forever. So make sure that, uh, I don't know if you're going to throw that in the show notes or something, Kevin, but make sure that you reach out to Kevin to grab that because that will always be the best deal you can ever get. So thank you, Kevin, for offering that. Yeah. Where Podmatch can help is because what it does is a guest, it's going to help you develop your one sheet. So there's no guests on Podmatch that are just kind of like like oblivion. Like you're just reaching out and being like, okay, so what do you do? Who are you? It's not like that. It's developing what's called in the industry or in the biz, a one sheet, which means the photos that you want podcast hosts to use because they're going to want to use that. Your bio, they're probably going to read in the introduction of the show more about you, your social media links, your website, what you want your call to action to be. Like if you want them to buy a book, like you're going to go ahead and position all that. Questions that you're always ready to answer that kind of help. A podcast host usually won't use those questions, but at least gives them a direction and ideas for titles. So like what, what idea, like what will we call this episode together? Again, most podcast hosts will not use that, but again, it gives them the direction that you want to go in. And one of the reasons this one sheet is so powerful is first off, it's going to save you 15 emails back and forth. Uh, which is always really nice. But two, it's going to ensure that you're getting asked the right thing. Before I had Podmatch, when I was a guest on podcasts, people would Google my name. And sometimes they'd find old articles. And so I have podcast episodes on things I never wanted to talk about, like how to build a procurement division in the aerospace industry. Like I never wanted to talk about that. But if you don't give the direction to the host, 
it's fair game. They're going to go Google your name. They're going to find the weirdest little thing about you. And that's what they're going to dive into. If you say, hey, here's questions I'm ready to answer. And here's some ideas for topics. That's going to tell them, okay, in the context of these things, this is what we're going to do. That's part of the onboarding of Podmatch. So literally, it's going to ask you those things. If you're like, well, I don't have those things ready. This is a great practice. This is extremely healthy for you to do. Take a few days and do it. It saves along the way. And then when you're done, you're able to be seen by podcasters. But again, do the work, put in the time like that. That's how we get the result is we put in the work. So it's a matter of you outreaching to podcasters. And, and Kevin, with your permission, I'll quickly go over how I pitch a podcast I want to be a guest on if that's helpful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I'll make this real brief for everybody. So I hope you're taking notes and I encourage you to take notes on this part. There's a few things I do. Step one is lead with value. It's funny. I'm wearing a shirt right now, Kevin, that literally says the words lead with value on it. So it's funny. I just said Class, that. But, um, <laughs> classic. Yeah. I was ready. It's, that's my magic trick today. Thank you, everybody. My name's Alex Anthony, but I'm in town all week. So you want to lead with value. What that means to me is because there's so many people pitching to be on podcasts now because we're seeing all, how powerful it is. But most people start off with, hey, I'm this, I'm that, I can do this, I can talk about this, I, 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 I. And that does not do well for podcast hosts because what they care about is serving their audience. And that tells them you're in it for you, not for them. Leading with value. This is how I do that. I immediately reach out and be like, hey, Kevin, just finished listening to two episodes of Grit, Grace, and Inspiration. I'm not going to lie. I just have some integrity in it. I love the solo episode you did, episode 188, where you talked about embracing your awesomeness, posted on May 5th, 2023, right? Like, I love that you talk about being unique, being yourself, being authentic. Like, I, I love the way you positioned it. I liked it so much, I left you a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast. Here, I attached a copy of that. Here's the thing. If you do that, Kevin, you can admit this right now as well. If you do that, you officially have that podcast host's attention. At the very least, you have their attention, yep. right? I mean, I, oh, 100%. Yeah. Right. It's a safe bet. And uh, I've been preaching this type of thing for years and I've still only had one person ever do it, which is funny to me. So, but I get the other requests all the time because it's a spray and pray method. But again, you lead with value. The second thing you do is you make a meaningful request. And I can't tell you, Kevin, how many pitches I get where there's no clear ask. Have you, have you ever seen one of those like where they don't actually say what they want in it? Yep. Have you seen any of those? I, I have. Trust me. Yes. <laughs> Man. Like sometimes I'll read it. It's like four paragraphs. And then like, I just like stare out off into space. I'm like, I don't know what they want. Do they want me to say congratulations? Do they want to be on my podcast? What is it that they want? So meaningful request goes beyond just saying, I want to be a guest on your podcast. What that means is making it meaningful. So again, if I was looking at grits, grace, and inspiration, I can go through Kevin's backlog, at least recent backlog and say, Hey, Kevin, by the way, I noticed you haven't had an episode where you talk about the power of podcasting in a while. I couldn't find any in your, in your backlog. I would love to be the person to come on and talk about that man, I just made a meaningful request. And most hosts go, oh, shoot, we haven't talked about that in a while. He's right. Or she's right. Like they're able to actually see that. So you're validating, like lean with value. You got their attention. Next thing is you make that meaningful request. And the third thing is to offer credibility. And a lot of people get this piece wrong because they think this is where the I statements go. I'm doing air quotes there. I this, I that, I've accomplished this. The truth is the most credible thing you can do is mention somebody that you know in common with that person or something that resonates with them. So example, the first thing I do when I'm pitching to be on a podcast, I go to that podcast social media, I see, do we have any friends in common? Or I look through their backlog. Do I know anyone else who's been on the podcast? And because I typically go on podcasts about podcasting, it's real like inception like or meta, if you will. <laughs> but because those are the shows I go on, I typically know a handful of people. And so what I say is, I'd love to be that guest. Hey, and by the way, if you want to ask about me, I noticed you had so-and-so on the show and so-and-so and so-and-so. They're all personal friends of mine. If you ask them, they'll tell you if they think I'll do a good job on your show. And I'd really love for you to do that. P.S. I always add something funny because it's just my humor. I pay them to say nice things about me. So let me know if they say otherwise. Right? Like I literally drop that in there. And the thing is, because I offered that credibility, if they know, like, and trust that person already, I just bypassed everything. It doesn't matter what my experience is. But 
because they also should probably know a little about me, I include a link to my Podmatch one sheet. So my guest profile on Podmatch, which is public facing, you don't have to just be internal, it can be internal or external. I drop that and be like, by the way, if you want to see more about like my experience and stuff, click here. Because again, I can keep the email really short, right? So like, and that's important. One of the keys here and these three things I just shared is keep it short. Podcasters are podcasting because they don't like to read. They like to talk. So don't make them read too much. Keep it as short as you can. And the very last thing I'll share, which I, I find to be really important, is to make it easy to say no. And that's a bit of a weird thing to say, but a lot of podcasters, if you're not the right fitter, they just had someone with the same experience and maybe the episode isn't even out yet. You don't want them to feel like they're going to break your heart if they respond. And most hosts just won't. So they just kind of ghost you a little bit. The best thing you can do is end with something like this. Hey, no worries either way. I would love to hear back from you, even if I'm not the right fit. And I only want to be a guest if I can truly add value. But again, would love just to have a little bit of dialogue with you. Something along those lines. Maybe you're better at wording things than I am. And that way, they don't feel like they're going to break your heart if they respond. And what I've learned is usually a no simply means not right now. So you want to have that dialogue open. It's not a have me on your podcast or never talk to me again. You're dead to me, right? No, it's a, <laughs> hey, let's chat. Like, let's just open this dialogue. And by doing that, you can have that permission to follow up. And maybe if that's not the right show for you, they know someone who is. But doing this for me has gotten me on so many great podcasts. And that's just the framework I've used, man. Yeah, I love it so much. And, and I'm going to add one little thing to it is... Oh, please. Yeah. I find the ones that mean the most to me are the ones that I know it's not just a pure template that's being sent out to a hundred other podcasters because right. literally it has personality. As we talk, the podcasting space, most of them, it's like family. So write it like you're talking to a friend. I mean, be professional, but make it sincere. Make it be honest. Don't just send the cookie cutter response because everybody sees right through it. You know, for myself, that means the world to me is when I know, hey, this is like a genuine person who's like actually taking interest in my podcast and wanting to be a part of it. And that's so true. I, I talked to this guy who was thinking about joining Podmatch and he emailed me. He's like, hey, man, do you think Podmatch will help? I currently only get on one of every 100 podcasts that I that I pitch to be on. And that that's an immediate red flag. And I was like, well, can you send me your pitch knowing that it was going to be templated? And he's like, sure. Instantly responds. I'm like, well, have you tried making me individual? He's like, I don't have time for that. <laughs> I was like, and I, I just told him straight up, he got super offended and like left me a terrible review somewhere. But I just told him like, listen, man, like I have a 97% success rate for getting on podcasts when I ask. I'm like, I get on 97% that I ask. I keep that logged. And I'm like, and it's because I take the time to individually talk to him. I'm like, do you not think that if you just pitched two and got on both, even though it took you an hour and a half total because he made it individual, that would be worthwhile, more worthwhile than this? And he said, no, I don't have time for that. I don't have the energy for it. Like, that's not what I'm trying to do here. And I was just like, I, I can't help you. Neither can Podmatch. Like you have to go beyond just the spray and pray method of like a templated pitch. It's the days of that are over. I mean, maybe that worked five or six years ago, but like now, Kevin, you and I both know, like we that goes straight to our recycle bin. I'm not going to take the time to read it if I feel like you didn't take the time to write it. Let's put it that way. Exactly. And, and I think the reason why this is so important is I think what people don't understand is when we get on a podcast as a guest, you're literally being invited into this intimate setting, this one-on-one -on -one conversation between you and the host. And you're literally sharing your story. You're, you know, you might be pitching your business, your book at the same time, but you're sharing your story. And so there needs to be this level of, of where the two of you jive, where you get along. Yeah. You know, and and I think that's the other thing is, you know, 
to not take it personal if if a podcaster doesn't feel as though it's a good fit because maybe it's just the personality differences. You know, they mean a lot. I know for, for myself, that's why, you know, I always do a preliminary call with my guests is just I tell them, listen, let's just get on the phone for 10, 15 minutes. Super short, mainly for me to be sure that you're as cool as your bio made you sound like, you know, and, and that's what matters. Yeah, you've done a good job of that, Kevin. I just want to say that real quick. You've done like the guests you've had aren't good. And I hope everyone listening, I hope you realize like podcasting is a labor of love. Like even if it's profitable, it's a labor of love. And Kevin doing those pre-interview calls are to ensure that the wall he has between the guests and access to you stays maintained. And I, I think that the hosts that like you who get this right have the best audience, the best tribe, the best community, the best listeners, because they truly say, you know what, I care enough that I'm willing to put in some extra effort to ensure that I'm not giving you anything bad. Right. And man, to me, again, Kevin, it just shows how great you are. And by the way, anyone listening to this, if you've not left grit, grace and inspiration, Kevin's podcast, a five star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, please do me a favor and go do that. Like pause it real quick. Go do that. Cause that just goes so far. Cause again, it's a labor of love. And the fact that he's doing these pre-interview calls, even even with guys like me to ensure, no, no, this is right. This is gonna be good for my listenership. Man, that just goes so far when you go that when you do that. And if you're the guest, be thankful a podcast host is doing that because again, it's they're not gonna waste your time and they're certainly not gonna waste the time of their listeners. Absolutely, absolutely. Alex, man, first and foremost, I'm glad you made the cut. I wasn't sure about yeah, you. Me too. You know, too. I was a little, I was a little bit leery. I thought, you know, this could go. <laughs> me too, you know, it's a gamble. I don't know about the dude, but I'm glad it all worked out. You, you weren't the whack job I was afraid of. And, um, and, uh, <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, Alex, you know, truly, dude, I want to thank you in the most sincere way possible for for taking the time out of your day to be here on the podcast to to share your story and to provide my audience with with maybe a new idea that they hadn't thought about this idea of being a guest on podcasts and getting their story out there, their message. I think it's an important thing because I find that there's so many amazing people in this world and everybody has this amazing story and think about them. Even the people who think that they don't, they do. And I feel Mm -hmm. like this world is just made better by us opening up and sharing and getting to know one another and being a guest on podcasts is an amazing way to do that. So um, I want to thank you so much, Alex, for uh, just just shining light on that. Like I said, man, you are such an awesome guy. It's a uh, true honor to have you on my show. And uh, so thank you for being here. Man, the honor is all mine. And everyone, thanks for checking this out. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Alex, thank you. And for you listening today. You are amazing. We think Alex is cool. Well, we think you are cool. And so don't forget to check out those show notes where you will find links and information that we talked about today for Podmatch, as well as my contact information. Again, mostly I want to thank you for being here with me week after week on the podcast. So with that said, get out there and enjoy the day. Now that you've got a little bit more grit, grace, and inspiration. 